1: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier, your host. Today I'm joined in person This is only the third time we've done an in-person podcast. I'm joined in person by Sam Campanella. Sam is the owner and professor at 208 Jiu Jitsu, which is where I have been attending and practicing Jiu Jitsu for the past almost seven months now. Uh, I know you guys have heard, if you've listened to the show before, you've heard me talk about it. Uh, I've talked about Jiu Jitsu since basically starting. I started the podcast right around the same time I started training Jiu Jitsu, so the two were going hand in hand, especially at the beginning and uh I've talked a lot about my practice in jiu-jitsu and how it's changed a lot of things in my training and uh I really wanted to I've wanted to talk to Sam for a while more so so I could get some answers for myself about a lot of these things um but I know that he explains things very well and uh he has some really cool opinions and good opinions about uh jiu-jitsu and has a cool story about how he came up uh with him and Melissa's wife who actually uh, teaches the class that I frequent the most. Um, but they have an awesome story and I just wanted to share with you guys. So Sam was able to come out to the house and, uh, and, and go through all that and tell the story. And, uh, it was, it was a blast. So I hope you guys enjoy this one. Uh, If you're jujitsu fellows, I know you'll enjoy this one. Um, before we get into the episode, I want to remind you guys that the podcast is brought to you by right on optics the only military veteran and law enforcement owned optics company in the world. And it's the fastest growing optics company in the world. And for good reason, they make unreal optics. rifle scopes, red dots, binoculars, it's, it's killer stuff for killer prices, honestly. Like for the value, you're, you're not gonna find anything better. And uh, I've got the one primal four through 16 by 44 rifle scope on my hunting rifle. I got it mounted up a few days back. Uh, really looking forward to getting some shots with it so I can get it dialed in for this hunting season. Uh, but it's great stuff. And, and also with that, they have an awesome education platform. They've lived right on university. They've got, uh, Tons of videos and educational content, articles, anything if you're involved or interested in the shooting and firearms realm. They've got great education content. And then they've also got the Ride On podcast that the founder, Brady Speth, hosts. And they get people from all walks of life. Uh, they get health people. They get uh, former military people, current military people. uh all kinds of really cool guests. So go check out the Ride On podcast. If you're listening to this one, there's going to be some good crossover that you'll you'll probably like most of the stuff that they do. Uh, it's it's a really good show and well done. And then finally. If you guys uh, haven't gone to their website yet and checked it out, it's rightonoptics.com, R-I-T-O-N Optics.com. And you can look at all the stuff that they make there, but they also have a huge dealer network all over the country. So if you're wondering where you can go and like actually physically see a lot of these optics, just do like a quick Google search and they are all over the place. So you'll be able to find where you can actually go in and see the stuff before you buy it, which is awesome. So Before we get going, I want to remind you guys, if you have not looked at joining the Nomad Tribe membership yet, please do so. It's really turning into something awesome. Uh, We're really growing pretty tight-knit community over there, and it's something that is pretty special. So I'm really pumped about it. It's doing exactly what I hoped it would do and bringing people together who have shared values, shared goals, and just want to get stronger for themselves, for their communities, be leaders in their families and communities. And we have some good times doing it. We have a lot of exclusive content over there that I don't post anywhere else. I do videos weekly, long form articles. We do other things like uh, challenges and other coaching opportunities, live Q and A's, that kind of stuff. It's tons of stuff going in there on in there. So go to tribe.nomad-strength.com check it out. It's 15 bucks a month. Uh, you can come in and check it out. And, and if you don't like it, whatever piece you don't have to, there's no contract or whatever you can, you can peace out. However, I'm sure that if you get in there, you're actually really going to like it. So go check it out. And, uh, that's that. So let's dive into the episode today with my professor, Sam Campanella. Okay. Nomad strength show. We are actually the second – this is actually only the second time I've done an in-person podcast. Okay. (laughs) So uh, it's nice to actually be sitting next to somebody that I'm talking to Uh, because everybody else, I'm just looking at a Zoom screen or any of that kind of stuff. It was the first time for me. Well, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I'm sitting here with Sam Campanella, who is the owner and I guess you could say you and Mel kind of do our right. co-head professors right. or whatever at uh 208 jujitsu which is where i've been going for about it, into february so a little over six months yeah which is crazy how fast that's gone by right. already uh and i've talked about jitsu multiple times on this podcast since starting so i wanted to bring you on to kind of give the backstory of yourself and how you got into it and then kind of because you guys are from not from around here in the idaho area no Came up from Central California, yeah. One of the transplants into this area. Yeah. One of the ones that we like. Okay, good. Uh, (laughs) We'll say that. Um, But how did you, where did all of this come up for you in terms of you getting into jujitsu?
0: So um, I played competitive sports my whole life. Uh, Football, baseball, basketball, all all growing up. And then, uh, you know, high school, I played uh, football on track. And then college, I played football. And after college was over, uh, I'm actually a San Diego native, um, born and raised in San Diego. I had moved back down to San Diego. And, um, you know, I was pretty much just kind of doing what I thought you're supposed to do after college. had a pretty decent job. I was working for Pepsi Cola um, in sales. Um, You know, I was renting a room for my buddy who had a house, you know, paying, but just doing, I Mm -hmm. don't know what you're, I guess what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Right. Um, And at that time, you know, being in sports my whole life and then just having it one day shut off. uh, It was weird. Um, So I was just going to the gym. You know, I looked really good. I was just lifting weights, but, you know, um, I I was bored. I was strictly bored. So uh, we were actually at Mission Bay. I can remember we were watching a kind of like a, a washed up punk rock concert of some of the old school bands that we listened to, you know, when we were freshmen in high school and me and some buddies and uh, I had a buddy that was a high school wrestler, and um, we were just chit-chatting, catching up on old times, doing, you know, what guys do, you know, chewing the fat, so to speak. And he's like, hey, man, you ever think about jiu-jitsu? I'm like, no, I don't. Like, <laughs> never I, thought about I, it. I, I, you know, I watch the UFC t- from time to time, and, um, you know, I've just never even thought about it. He's like, hey, I think he'd be really good. I'm like – I mean, I'll give it a shot. Like I don't, but I'm right. like I don't even know where to go. Like yeah. I don't even know where to go, where to sign up, what to. I like I'm completely green. I didn't and rest. Like never... what
1: year was this around? What time?
0: Uh, right around
1: 2006. So uh, it still probably wasn't like no. super mainstream at that no, point. No, it was. Either.
0: It was just like one step above Fight Club. Right. Like I yeah. mean, it was. It this was still like it's not what it is today. Right. It was very much like kind of like almost like an underground right. fight scene in a way. I mean, just not quite that bad, but one step above it was still in its infancy especially in america um so he's like hey there's this guy his name's dean lister and uh he just won this big giant tournament in abu dhabi he won it in 05 i believe um and he's got a school right by your work Mm. you should go try it out like all right so after work one day bring some gym clothes and you know i I shoot across the street because literally you know Mm -hmm. across the street from me and again, don't know what to do. Don't know what to say to anybody. Like, I'm sure, you know, it's just like anybody else is brand new. Yeah. I'm like, hey, like, I want to try jujitsu. I don't know much about it. And they're like, okay, sign a waiver. Of course, you know, first thing. <laughs> <laughs> right. let's, let's cover our bases. <laughs> right. uh, go sign like, a what waiver. What am I getting into? <laughs> and, you know, class was about to start in like, you know, 15 minutes or so. And there's a, a kid on the mat. And I say, kid, this, this young man was probably 13, 14 years old. hmm and maybe 115 pounds, dripping wet. I mean, mm-hmm. small little Filipino kid, not mm-hmm. much build to him, just a skinny little kid. And they're like, "Well, you can go warm up with him." And I'm, you know, <laughs> here I am, you know, college football player, you know, 200 pounds, look really good, you know, got a six pack and all this stuff. And I'd say in about six minutes, he submitted me no less than 12 times. <laughs> I mean, just absolutely, um, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, it beat me up. Like, right. And at that moment I was hooked. Yeah. Like, you know, it nicked the vein and I was like, I got to do this. So I stood back up and I walked back to the front desk. I'm like, Hey, here's my debit card. Sign me up. They're like, you only did one round. You get a free week. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I'm like, if, if, if a young kid, a teenage boy yeah, can do that to a grown man, somebody my size will kill me. And it's not like I was planning on getting in street fights, but right. I didn't know what I didn't know. And clearly I didn't know how to defend myself. Right. Um, so I'm like, I did, and so, from that day, pretty much even till today, I've been anywhere from well, obviously I'm my own gym now, but you know, four to five days a week for yeah. fifteen years now, yeah, and there there you go. that's, <laughs> that's the
1: backstory <laughs> that's it's so funny how the like, most people that get into it, that's like they have a similar thing where it's them sucking, yeah, and then it's like, I gotta do more of this. It's yeah. like I haven't met many people. I mean, and I'm sure there are, and I'm sure you've met them right. that like come to the gym and they just don't like, that's not their jam. They don't like right. getting right. choked out or whatever, which, you know, I understand that. But that's usually the same thing that gets people to want to come back right. is like getting choked out and realizing like, oh, I need yeah. to know how to defend this kind of stuff or do this right. kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's, you know, why, you know, Melissa, my wife, she's such a good, a, a vital asset to the gym, you know, to, you know all the HR stuff, of course, that she does in the back end that nobody mm-hmm. sees is important. But, you know, having a female presence in the gym who's, mm-hmm. you know, not a big imposing figure. I mean, she's, you know, five one, Yeah. you know, and her being a black belt, I mean, you know, with the exception of her competing in her weight class, she's never the biggest person on the mat. Right. And, you know, her, her, you know, being able to kind of hold her own – so to speak, and, and, you'll beat people up, so to speak, no. you yeah. not, you know, no, totally if, you're, no. if, you're lic- if you're listening as a, as a new viewer, <laughs> that's not what I meant, but like her being able to hold, you know, very, very much take care of herself is an inspiration yeah. to women and children who I think are probably the ones who need to benefit from jujitsu the most because yeah. they're the most at risk.
1: Totally. And I can, I I mean, the first two days yeah. come into the, the early 5.00 AM class, like there was the, my first like three or four rounds, One was with her, one was, and then there was two other uh, gals that go into that morning, one that I went with, both of them, and, like, all three of them wrecked me. And I'm like, okay, I am double the size of one of you. Right. Like, and it's that same thing, like, this is, there's something to this. Right. And so I kind of, I'm like the same, like, I went down the rabbit hole, so to speak. And it's like, okay, I need to absorb and learn, like, everything. I remember, like, going to the, and it was almost kind of the same story as you when I Messaged you on Instagram and said I was coming in for class. And you're like, yeah, just come in at 5 a.m. And I came in and because you guys had like a free week deal. Right, and, kind right. of t- and I came back home and I was talking to Molly, my wife, that afternoon. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to sign yeah. up. And I told, like, I told Melissa when I messaged her, I'm like, yeah, just here. Here's, here's right. my deal. I'm, I'm coming in now. And that's, this yeah. is going to be a thing. Um, so it started as like – did it start as a self-defense thing for you? When did like the competition part of it <laughs> become your alley?
0: So – Uh, uh, again, probably from day one. I mean, it it started, you know, like I said, you know, you, you know, being in that environment playing, you know, uh, you know, tackle football, um, you know, it's, it's a rough sport. So, you know, I was always kind of used to that. So the, the getting, choked and beat up part, like didn't scare me as it, as it, right. as it might for some. Right. Right. It's uncomfortable. It's still uncomfortable. Nobody, I mean, anybody tell you that, you know, it's not fun being, <laughs> you know, yeah. you're having your arm, you know, it's not fun being choked. Uh, <laughs> maybe to some, I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> different, different podcast. That's a different thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but so the competitive thing. So I started like on a Tuesday afternoon or a uh, Tuesday was my first class. I remember. And it was a Tuesday and you know, after I got my butt kicked by this, you know, teenage kid, you know, class starts and we learn our lesson and I still have no idea what I'm doing and, you know, still just lost, um, you know, and, uh, our, uh, the, the guy running the class, my coach at the time, my professor at the time is like, you know, he's talking about a tournament that's coming up in Vegas that weekend. And he's like, Hey, it's, you know, not too late to sign up for grapplers quest. And I'm like, shoot, man, I'm, I'm a young guy. I like Vegas. Right. right? I'm single. Like, you know, I I can, uh, you know, I'm not, I can do whatever I want. They all go to Vegas. So I asked my coach, I'm like, hey man, like, are they going to have like a, like a beginner division or like for newbies? And like, oh yeah, they got a novice division. I'm like, well, if I go to class Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday and drive to Vegas Friday, like, what would you think about me competing on Saturday? And he's like what's the worst that can happen? I'm like, it's not going to be any worse than what just happened. Right. Yeah, you're right. You know, worst case scenario, I'm, you know, paying an $80 registration in Vegas. I mean, I'd probably blow that at a craps table or a blackjack table anyway, so why not? Um, So yeah, I go, like, I I competed in my first tournament after three days and it lasted, it lasted maybe 20 seconds. You know, I knew, I still knew nothing at all about jujitsu and I, tried to bull rush the kid. And he basically oh, laid me like a matador and took my back and choked me. And that was, uh, the <laughs> that story. Was it. <laughs> that was the story of my first tournament. And ever since then, you know, we've me and Melissa and we've been competing, man, almost monthly. It yeah. seems like the whole time since, you know, for 15 years, like I said, 15 years yeah. now. So, um, you know, I, and I realized that part of the sport mm-hmm. is, is not for everybody. And I will never make that a requirement at our gym. You know, I, we have mixed, you know, we have people who want to compete at the highest of level rolling with your hobbyists every single day. Um, So I, you know, for me, it started out just as a physical activity, but the competition part, it just kind of seemed like, you know, this is kind of what you do. That's kind of what I always did. You know, you, 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 practice, you go play. Yeah.
1: You're training for something. Like Like I said, it's not like I was
0: training, you know, I wasn't planning on being in street fights. Right. Right. That was, you know, (laughs) right. Um, so it was just, you know, you practice and then you go out and you you do your sport.
1: So is that the same school when you, when you started at that school, is that where, um, you met like Matt and all those guys that came through and now like kind of your guys' development tree, I guess?
0: No, not exactly. Um, so I trained, um, down in San Diego for the first uh, couple of years jiu-jitsu. Um, this was, you know before I was married or anything. And then uh, Melissa and I, uh, she was living in the Central Valley in Bakersfield. We got engaged. She moved down to San Diego. Um, and then we ended up moving back to Bakersfield. So at this time, I was already a blue belt. I had probably trained for about two years mm-hmm. or so. I had just gotten promoted to blue belt. We moved back to the Central Valley in Bakersfield about two years later. Uh, excuse me, two, two months after I got my blue belt. Mm-hmm. Um, and Melissa wasn't even training yet cuz she was like no way in heck you're no way you're ever going to get me on the mats like no absolutely no way um so then i was like well i still want to train and uh you know where do i go so i do what most people do i go to google yeah um and i see um you know Matt Baker Brazil, Bakersfield Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and you know he's a black belt under John Jock Machado mm-hmm. and by this time I knew a little bit about the history of the sport and right. I knew John Jock was you know kind of a legend of the game yeah, a, a godfather deal. if you will a yeah. big name so I'm like well if this guy's got a black belt from him he probably knows some stuff right um and that's that was the only gym we drove by one other gym in Bakersfield we didn't even go walk inside I was like I like just looked in the window I'm like no thank you mm-hmm. um and that was you know, where we ended up joining. Cause yeah. I was like, okay, he's got to know stuff. And I want to, I want to learn from a guy who's learned from you know, a legend of the sport. Right. You know, I want to acquire that knowledge. I want to learn what, what he's doing. So I actually uh, went in on a Saturday and it happened to be like a Nogi day. So nobody had their geese on. Yeah. And you know, this is early days of the internet, not super early, but early ish early enough. And so I didn't know what Matt looked like. Mm. So I have a, 15, 20 minute conversation with the guy that I just assumed was Matt. <laughs> He's telling me all about the gym, this and that. Um, and it turns out it was not Matt. Uh, it was another one of my really good buddies. Who's now a black belt. He's a purple at the time. His name was Chad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, he talked to me about 30 minutes about how great the gym was and all this stuff. So he had to be sold on it. Well, he wasn't He's even, not even the owner. I wasn't even the owner. Um, And, yeah, so that's how we got hooked up with them, you know. It was really just a Google search and, you know, like me having just a little bit of knowledge about the history of the sport. I'm like, okay, that's where I want to train. And then, you know, now now Professor Matt and Professor Jill, they're like, you know, they're family to me now. They're like brothers and sisters to me, you know.
1: Um, And so the system that they kind of created, like mm -hmm. the Jiu jitsu thing, which is what the affiliate that that you guys have is, what is that kind of – like because from what I've gathered – like you reach these points after basically kind of, from what I gather, it's kind of like after purple, correct me if I'm wrong. Like that's where you can kind of start, like you know enough to kind of develop your own little flair to some stuff is around there. And so how did that come from like, creating your own little flair to like branching into a whole sort of system from that
0: right so uh i get this question all the time and uh anybody who's listening can you know you can go on the the true jitsu revolution website and just kind of read all about it but it's almost like a grassroots movement uh for those of you that don't know much about the history of jiu-jitsu helio gracie you know the the original gracie i guess you could so to speak yeah um you know him and carlos they weren't they weren't big imposing figures. Yeah, uh, Helio was kind of frail, to be honest with you. I mean, he was skinny, mm-hmm. wasn't a big guy. Um, so when when he learned, you know, Japanese jujitsu, Japanese jujitsu is more judo physical based. Okay. Very very, you know, physical. Ph- you got to you know physically fit. Very yeah. very rugged and raw. Whereas the Brazilian aspect of it, Healy was like, okay, well, I'm not, I'm not big and buff. Yeah. Right. So. You know, how do I use leverage and proper positioning and using my brain? you know how do how do I become more of Yoda mm. and master this and less of the Hulk? okay? And that's really what you know in a, in a in an oversimplification of what jiu-jitsu is, because we could be here for hours kind of talking about sure. It, that's really what it is. It's how do I use the proper leverage angles, body positioning. To gain the advantage over somebody who's like a big grizzly bear, right? And you train at 2:08. We have no shortage of big. That's night. pretty
1: much the whole 5 a.m.
0: class. <laughs> That's pretty it's much like every I class. I am
1: the smallest dude in that class <laughs> right. almost every morning. Right.
0: Right. So <laughs> how do you how do you learn to position yourself properly to gain an advantage or sweep somebody? Yeah who outweighs you by 50 pounds or who looks like they live in the weight room yeah. and all they eat is raw steak. Like, how do you, how, <laughs> yeah. do you like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you overcome that? And that's really kind of what the whole purpose of true jitsu is. It's more of the, you know, kind of mastering the mind, you know, mm. uh, understanding angles, understanding body positioning yeah. rather than, you know, which peacock has the brightest feathers. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause there's plenty of those gyms. You can yeah. find those gyms anywhere. And uh, usually they don't last long. Yeah. They have a very short shelf life.
1: Yeah. Do you <laughs> think that's kind of where, it, because it's gotten in the last decade specifically, sure. it's just exploded so much? Like it's just deviated from like what it kind of originally was. And Now there's all these like, I don't I, know, watered down versions, I guess you could say. I don't,
0: in my opinion, I don't necessarily know that it's a... The the growth of the sport that's doing it, I think it's the growth of the internet. To be honest with you, gotcha. Um, I think people have realized, hey, there's a market that I can make money off of. Yeah. Um, and the the way to sell it, the way to make myself rich, is to create a personality, mm. right? Um, but it it it, it it's. I don't want to say it's doing harm because I tell our students all the time. I'm like, hey, you can. There's plenty of content on the internet. Totally. Uh, you just got to consider what you're watching. Like, who's putting this content on? You know, you know. Do a little history for yourself prior to, you know, um, you know, watching a video and, and trying to see, hey, can I apply that technique? Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who are selling DVDs, selling books, selling stuff online. That, you know, my for anytime I watch a technique, I'll rewind this. Anytime I watch a technique online. And, you know, the technique starts out, it's like, okay, I have my opponent in this position and their arms sticking straight up in the air and they're on their side. I'm like, <laughs> How'd well, you that's, get to this that's position? great. <laughs> can you show me the 12 steps you got to get to that position so I can actually do that? <laughs> right. Um, so I don't think it's, I think the growth of the sport is good. I think growth in anything yeah. is, is you know, good for the sport. Uh, you know, I think people open up gyms. Um with most people want, want it to be successful and be an environment people want to train in. But I think the internet, um, does more, does more of the damage to the sport than anything. And I yeah. think it deters a lot of people away. Yeah. Um, because people will watch the UFC and hear the word jiu-jitsu and they're like, well, I'm not going to go in the gym and, and right. do that.
1: Right. right. Exactly. I want to I
0: gotta, you know, I gotta go to work tomorrow. I can't be, <laughs> you know, two black eyes and a going broken ER no, three
1: times a week. Right.
0: Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, I can't do it. I got to pick up my child. I can't have a broken arm. And then they go online and they see these, you know, kind of colorful or charismatic personalities, you know, with the hashtag make jujitsu violent again. Like right. you're, det- you're, you're losing a giant market. Yeah. Right. Cause I'll tell you this, when it comes to the marketing aspect of running a gym, there's always going to be the young athletes. Yeah. The 25 year old guys that, you know, women or men yeah. that lift weights, that look good, that, that, There'll always be those people. You know, totally. how do you, how do you get the families in there? How do you get the kids in there? Totally. Well, I can tell you, it's not by saying we're going to make this violent.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it seems like it mirrored, or is mirroring, in a lot of ways, like how CrossFit exploded. Right. Like, it started as this training system that sure. was awesome. And then as it got a little bit bigger and then the games became a thing, right. that was all anybody ever saw was all these people that, like, right. Froning who trained six times a day right. and looked how he does. And it's like, well, I can't do any of that stuff. And But it's still exploding right. at the same time, but people have a different perception of what it sure. actually is because right. that's what's being seen right. on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. It's like, well, no, like, this started with – like Glassman training his wife in his garage. Like it wasn't, he wasn't going after the elite athletes or whatever. And like you said, that's still, there's gonna it's but it's such a small population of right. people that are those people in gyms. Most gyms don't even have those people. Right. Like you, you if you're in a big city, there's probably one or two that people will gravitate right. towards that is like you're even around here uh in the CrossFit space, like there's a couple of gyms that are more known as like this is where you go if you want to compete in CrossFit. Right. But like there's a couple that's like we don't have any competitors here.
0: And so it seems like the way that the two things have come up are kind of similar in that way. Oh, absolutely. And, that's, and, and we get you know, messages all the time, phone calls at the time, like, hey, do you guys have an MMA program? Do you guys have yeah. you know, Muay Thai training? Do you have boxing, this and that? And the answer is no, kind of for that same reason. Yeah. Um, you know, for every super nice person I've met who's done MMA, super mm-hmm. cool, very humble, very down-to-earth, there's, there's 10 other people that are in it for themselves, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think MMA is a great sport. Um, I think, you know, I admire the people that do it it's, it's, it's tremendously difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I wanted to fight once upon a time until I started training for it. <laughs> it's, it's extremely taxing. Um, but like I said, for every, you know, one or two people that are like, Oh man, this person's super humble. You know, they can come in and train with, uh, mm-hmm. the regular class, the, right. the regular, us regular Joes, <laughs> yeah, the regular. right. Oh. And, and, you know, still understand that they're not trying to have, they don't have the same goals as you and still give you a competitive role mm-hmm. without beating the snot out of you. There's, there's, you know, 10, 15 others that are just like, yeah. hey, time to prove a point. Time totally. to show everybody who's boss.
1: Yeah, just like there's the one, the one guy in the, right. in the CrossFit gym right. that'll come and, like, take the shirt off the second the clock starts right. and, like, want to sure. rip through cleans and max out, as uh,
0: grunt and, like, do all the yeah. stuff that's just like, okay, you're doing your thing, man. But that's not, like, right. what this is about. And, and, and to that point, imagine how encouraging that guy would be. Would be as he, he, you know, he's gonna be the first place on right. Watify or whatever, right. the whiteboard. You know, he's right. gonna win. We, we already know you're gonna win. We, <laughs> we get it, dude. You're gonna, are gonna take first. But imagine how influential that guy could be if he just took a step back and be like, man. I know, I, I know, I'm probably gonna take first. But how about me sticking around and, and helping out the people totally. who are taking 45 minutes to compete? complete a 20 minute workout totally or you know I'm done with round 12 and I'm done with the workout and I got a guy on round three you know Mm -hmm. how about if I stand by him and encourage him hey let's lighten the load hey let's be in this corner yeah right that so you can have the the big stud or studettes Mm -hmm. in the gym if they have the right persona to them yeah they they can be with the quote unquote general population totally um you know and, and a lot of that a lot of that tone um is set by the people running the gym. And I know Frank and Michaela do a phenomenal job of that. I've dropped into, I did CrossFit on and off for seven years. um, And I've dropped into the gym a few times and it's, it's just such a great environment at Snake River, Um, you know, and. And that's where
1: Molly trains too. And she's been there almost three years now and loves it for that reason.
0: And the, and the only reason why I'm not doing it more is, I mean, the, you know, I went from training four days, you know, maybe three to four to five nights of jujitsu a week to, you know, 15, 20 classes. So it's just. Yeah. I got enough demand on my body. Totally. You know, I go to the rec center now and swim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just, Just stretch out and, and it, put some heat totally. on my body. So how many rounds a week are you doing right now? Um, there was a point in time where I was about 86 minute rounds a week. <laughs> um, and I reached out to Matt, you know, uh, he's, he's definitely my mentor in this stuff. And I'm like, man, like, I don't know how long I'll carry this pace for, yeah. like, you know, but I, I want to roll with my students, yeah. you know, and it's, and you know, when you, when you can't roll or you're not rolling, For me, it's like, you know, watching your friends play outside and you're grounded. You're like, well, they're they're all having fun. Like, why don't I? I want to go have fun. Um, So, you know, I said, how many rounds a week should I be getting? So I've tried to tone it down to like 60 to 65 on on a normal week. Obviously, if there's an event or something, I'll probably roll more. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I usually teach the one o'clock class and I'll try to get, you know, four to six rounds in there. And then another you know, five to seven rounds at the night class and, and, you know, I have to kind of shut it down and I also have to watch, you know, have to watch what the students are, you know, are people getting better? You know, (laughs) know, I can't be selfish and just myself roll all the time and never, you know, I have to, you know, watch, you know, what, what everybody's doing and the progress they're making. So I've tried to I mean, still 65 rounds is still a lot. It's a lot. Um, but I've shaved off probably 15 to 20, which, you know, hopefully puts another year back on my rolling
1: career. (laughs) Do you have like a, uh, I guess, I don't know if end date's the right word because it'd just be like whenever you want to stop doing right. it. But like, how much longer are you seeing competing as a part of what you're going to do?
0: Um, so competing? Yeah. So let, let me just explain this so people don't, you know, get, get scared. I'll, I'll be rolling Right. for as long as I can. Right. Right? Um, you know, I'll be in a gi till I'm 90 if, if I can still stand up and put one on. Right. Or dokey, I don't care. Uh, you know, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be at the gym. I don't know how good of a roll is will but, but I'll be there. I'll be doing it. Um, from a competition standpoint, um, the competing every month, I, I don't want to say I have an end date. Um, my, my kind of plan is the, the biggest reason. Okay. So sorry, I'm going all over the place. You're good. <laughs> the biggest reason why I compete now compared to maybe when I was competing, when I was like a blue and a purple belt yeah. is for different reasons. Now mm. back then I wanted like, I want as many matches as I can. And I want to get good. Now it's like, okay, I want to make sure what I'm bringing to my students is relevant. Mm. Because the game evolves. I mean, if you, if you watch a, ju- a black belt jujitsu jitsu match from 2005 compared to a black belt jujitsu match from 2020 or 2021, I don't even know what year we're in. Uh, <laughs> Twilight Zone. Uh, you, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Nobody knows what year yeah, it is anymore. <laughs> it's, a,
0: it's, it's a night and day difference. So I have to make sure what I'm showing, yeah. you know, because even though I'm almost 40 years old, you know, we have young competitors yeah. who are going against these, you know, these mega athletes. Yeah. I didn't make sure what I'm bringing works, you know, and so that's why I'm competing is, okay, so, hey, here's what I'm teaching. I'm going to go out and apply it. Okay, this, this works, and here's how we need to evolve from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I equated a lot to, um, like, the X Games. Yeah, you know, I never did extreme sports, but like I remember, I don't know how many years ago when a backflip on a motorcycle it was a big deal was like, <laughs> yeah, groundbreaking. Yes, like you, that was unheard of, and now it's like a prerequisite. Yeah, like totally. if you can't do that, like what, don't even show up to the.
1: I remember still the first time Tony Hawk did the first nine hundred, yeah. and now this year there was like a twelve-year-old right. that did it, right, like twice in the same run, and exactly. it's just like that. And I actually had a uh, he did a ten eighty. Did he? Yeah. Oh my gosh! See, that's even the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like that proves the point even more. But the, with with that kind of thing, with the extreme sports, like it, the whole existence of the sport is like, how do we do the next right thing? Like, there's it's d- totally different than you know regular sports. Right. Like where it kind of evolves as you know athletes just get stronger and right. more athletic, whatever. But like that, the sole purpose of extreme athletes is like how do we take this thing and make it even more dangerous right. or ridiculous? Right. And then it's like the four minute mile. Like once one dude does it, yeah. all of a sudden 30 guys can right. do it. And it's just like, we just needed to see the one guy right. do it first. And so it is, I mean, that kind of seems like the same that you're saying. With, right. So with that's,
0: so that's, so that's mo- the main reason why I'm still chasing competitions. Yeah. Like we have the medals on the wall uh, so the kids can stare at a moon. on. Those sat in a bag for years. Right. Right. Uh, though that's, that's, a, that's a marketing piece. Right. right? <laughs> right. So, they, so the kid, you know, the parents are walking like, oh, you know, yeah. shiny metals. <laughs> they know um, what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. So the, the main reason why I'm competing now is, you know, I want to go against the, the best guys, my age, mm-hmm. um, and, and see if what I'm doing is work. So I can show you guys, our students, you know, right. um, the class, you know, hey, you know, this is what works and, and, and this is why it works and this is what you shouldn't do. Yeah. Which I think is another huge aspect of teaching but I'll finish the competition thing is you, know, you got to show people what why putting your hand here, putting your leg here does not work. Right. Um, so as far as an end game, you know, um, once Melissa kind of has her feet Thoroughly in the ground, mm-hmm. um, with enough competitions at black belt and she, can, I can kind of go and watch what she's doing. Yeah. Um, cause she's still a relatively new black belt. She's only been in a black belt for almost a year now. Yeah. Once she's about three years into it, then I'll probably start to taper off. Plus I got kids who are now starting to compete. My kids are starting to compete. Right. Now. So I'll start to pull back on my competing and maybe either do the big events and the big team events. Sure. Um, and she can then, be your metric. Yeah, and all she that can stuff be my, my my metric. You know what are the, what are those ladies doing? Right. Um, and then, you know, eventually, you know, I'll have to get to the point where I'll only compete when we're we're trying to win a big giant team sure. trophy. Um, yeah. You know, my it's not my brain. You know, a lot of you'll hear a lot of aging athletes. You know, say so. I just man- mentally can't prepare anymore. Yeah. I just mentally for me that's no problem. Like, right. It's the physical, you know. Mine's the opposite. It's a physical side. Like, You know, I've had three reconstructive knee surgeries before I even stepped on a jujitsu mat. You know, so you know, football did a lot of damage to me. Yeah. So you know, it's when my body can't take the competition aspect. That's when I'll say, okay, you know. Yeah. I'm just, you know, it's kind of when you see that, you know, that boxer who comes out of retirement, and you know, you're just like, like, why? Don't do it. Just don't do it. Just stay away. You know, endorse, you know grilling mechanisms to make lean ground beef like don't <laughs> right. don't stop balking stop box like just, right. just let it go um but yeah so does the the differences like the things that you're seeing
1: in competition and how that influences like what you're teaching mm-hmm. is there a difference in how you approach that for people who want to compete versus just like the general self-defense counter out or does that all kind of bleed together when you go to teach it
0: it, it all bleeds together um and this is this is you know, kind of how I approach jujitsu, um, you know, when you're, okay, so let's, let's, you you touched on like 12 different topics here, and (laughs) you didn't, you didn't even realize it. So perfect. You know, you, you have your active competitors, right? And then you have the people who are hobbyists, right? right? And we have a blended class. We don't have a competition class. We don't have a fundamentals class. We have them all mixed together. And I do that for a very specific reason. Um, I want everybody to train with everybody. I'm sorry, I didn't know this. And I didn't realize, and, you know, um, the reason why I do that is one, you know, I want everybody to roll with everybody, but I'm not giving them different construction. Yeah. I'm not divvy. And that's, and that's how you really measure, you know, when you go into the belts of jujitsu, right. Right. It would be completely unrealistic of me to maybe ask a, a young man or a, it's not a young man, an old man or an old woman, somebody yeah. in their fifties or sixties who trains once or twice a week just to stay in shape, yeah. just to learn a little bit of something new. Mm-hmm. Um, to hold them to the exact same standard as I would an 18-year-old kid right. who trains five days a week, and this is his sport, and they want to compete right. at the elite level. Right. So how do I measure that on an even scale? This is how I do it. And again, this could be, and this is my philosophy, so if you disagree with it, <laughs> this is just Sam talking, right? What I do is I give them the same content. Yeah. And if I can see the 50- to 60-year-old, hobbyist making progress on their timeframe mm-hmm. and I can see the 18, 19, 20 year old phenom making progress on their time frame. Well, in my opinion, they are equal for their respective age, right? It would be unrealistic for them to say, Hey, you're a blue belt and you're a blue belt. Mm. You're training six days a week, getting six times the content in your athletic prime and you're out of your athletic prime coming once or twice a week right. to say, now go compete against each other. Right. Right. That's, that's unrealistic. Right. Right. Um, now, again, the true Jitsu philosophy, they, they, the, the person who uses their brain, they might be able to put them in some very sure. compromising position. So that goes back to the first question, but, you know, um, I'm, I'm so far off on a tangent now. I don't even remember what the original <laughs> question is, but. You know, that's, that's kind of where I see things. And that's why I do the blended class. That's why yeah. I, I do the comp- competitive class. And I'll, and I'll make it very, you know, this does the students who train with us know, right, if they want a hard competitive round, they, they, they kind of know where to go to find it. Right. Um, but I don't want them exclusively rolling with each other. Right. You know, I want them to be able to roll with anybody properly. Yeah. Right. And again, that all goes back to who's setting the tone for the class. Are the people running the class educating the students Mm -hmm. to know, Hey, you're 225 pounds. You're going to go train with somebody who's 115 pounds. We know where the weight distribution, we can see it. Right. Right. Can, but can you roll properly? Totally. Right? Yeah. Um, because every round in a class, that's a, that's a chance to learn. Yeah. And if your goal is just to beat the snot out of somebody, you're you're not going to last long at our gym.
1: Well, and that goes both ways right. too for the somebody for the person that's more advanced than somebody right. else. Like they're still going to learn stuff oh, rolling with the lower belt or the, or the newer person for different reasons. Right. Like they're going to be able to try things because they know what's going right. on. And so they can like maybe right. practice things a little bit more. But the person on the bottom is learning just because they're like, I just want to not die. Right. I'm going to move until I can figure right. out how to get out of this. I, I will tell you this, stuff. the
0: the most dangerous matches at any jiu-jitsu school as far as like potential for injury are not right on white. Yeah, right. <laughs> belts. Yeah. Right. Uh, belts. <laughs> right. Uh, 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 the most dangerous matches are not the two upper belts competing against each other. It's right. the, it's the two brand new people. Yeah. You know, because they're not sure what they're doing. So yeah. it's, it's 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 it can be problematic, which is why I feel like maybe having a white belt only class or a beginner class for your first three months can be, it can be dangerous, not, not detrimental. You can still learn. It can be dangerous if they're rolling. Um, that's where, that's where kind of the upper belts and the experience and the tenured students come in and say, Hey, this is, Hey, this is kind of the way, this is the etiquette. This is, you know, so that makes sense. Um, you know, knock on wood, you know, up until this day, we just had our two year anniversary. We have not had, in my opinion, a major, injury at the gym. Yeah. Because, you know, that's how the people instructing the class go about things and it just kind of trickles down. That's the tone of it. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you know, if, if you're looking for a hard competitive role, you know, wait till, you know, class thins out a little bit. Wait till there's more space on the mat and then go find somebody else who wants one. Yeah. You know, there'll be somebody you else You have there. that option. Right. Yeah. And somebody else will want to do it too. Right, But I, I, I you can learn from any role, Yeah. I mean, somebody be, they're brand new. And if you're, you know, 20 years into the game as a black belt, 15 years in the game and somebody's brand new, you can learn from that Mm -hmm. um, if you, if you allow them to take chances. Yeah. Right. Totally. Now, part of that goes to a bigger aspect in all of this, which is the ego. Yeah. Right. That gets, that's where things get dicey, um, you know, because like it or not, people have them. Totally. And, you know, if you want to continue to learn and grow. You know, you as the instructor, as the professor, you're going to have to roll with lots of different people, and not everybody will be black belts. And there's going to be lots of good people at lower belts that are going to get you in really bad spots, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you're going to have to tap. Yeah, right. You're gonna. I mean, I've I've been put to sleep in front of a ton of my friends (laughs) at like affiliate camps by blue belts. You know, as a black belt, you know, out cold. (laughs) You know, and you know, but that's. That's me trying things. That's 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 them being good at jujitsu. Right. And you know that's the, the you know if you're not if you're not tapping in class, you're either at the wrong school or your 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 egos get in the way of what you can learn.
1: That was like before, and this was before. Yeah. I even really talked to you much because uh, yeah. I have a, you know a good deal of friends that from all over the country that are a part of right. you know training and doing this now and like that was one of the number one pieces of advice I got was tap early tap often oh yeah like when you go in is like tap before you think you need to in some right. cases because you you know you know when you're about right. to don't like try and right ring like ring yourself into it even deeper and hurt yourself oh absolutely because you know like when you like you said when you go in as somebody who's brand new like you have no idea sure. energy levels mm-hmm. of like you know, people come in, they're just like flying all over right. the place and not, you know, analyzing what's going on. And that's how like you can right. get super injured. Right. And not be able to control that.
0: Yeah. Any any time in class we have two brand, brand new people rolling with each other. Yeah. It's almost like me and Melissa have to stop what we're doing, and go monitor the match. Right. It's like er, sorry <laughs> sorry person I'm rolling with right now, like I gotta go <laughs> Make sure this does not get out of hand because it, <laughs> right. it will quick. And, it, and it's not because they're trying to hurt each other. They just don't know. Totally. Yeah. It's just out of not having any clue. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just you, you don't know. Um, and I, I heard this once on like a Joe Rogan pro- podcast. Like you don't know how deep a water you're in yeah. until you roll with somebody who's got a deep jujitsu knowledge. Yeah. Like, you know, I've, I've been training for 15 years and that's only half the lifespan right. of my professor who's been training for 30 years. Right so here I think I know a little bit mm-hmm. and then I go roll with him and I'm like, I still don't know anything. Yeah. You know, totally. <laughs> it's always a, it's a yeah, learning process. Right. And I still, time. I mean, I'll, I'll try my hardest. It looks like he's bored. Yeah. He no, I, I, doesn't look like he's bored, but it, you know, he holds a great poker face. Totally. And he's saying goodbye, you know, Hey, see you later. Have a good one. And I'm trying my <laughs> hardest, you know, sweating all over. I'm like oh, so frustrating, Nothing's working. but he's so good, you know? So, um, that's funny. Yeah. It, you, you gotta tap early and tap off and, and, Often, excuse me, not often, often. Um, and and that's what I try to express to people is more impressive to me. It's like, it's not impressive to me if you can let your arm break and not tap. That's not impressive. That's right. That's dumb. Like yeah. I grew up in the Jackass era. Like I right. watched that show. Like right. I watched that show because I'm like, ah, those guys are idiots, right? So, you know, um, like good work. Now you can't yeah, come good, back yeah, for, good, for yeah, six yeah, weeks. Ex- exactly. It's it's more impressive to me if you can get sweaty and burn two thousand calories and drop five pounds, right. and then go home and you know be a, be a contributing member of your household right. and, you know, pick up your kid and, you know, go to work the next day. That's more impressive to me than totally. the guy that, oh, I broke my arm, but I didn't tap. Okay. Well, just stop at the first part. <laughs> cool. You broke your arm. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Or you dude. got your arm broken because you, because you didn't tap. And now you, now right. you can't train for six weeks. And let's say you have a job in construction or let's say you have a job like, yeah, now what do you do? Way more is impacted. Maybe you don't that. have health insurance. Yeah. What do you do? Like, totally. It's uh, you know, that, that mentality is, is just it's it's dumb yeah and in a
1: sport where it's like literally can be right. health threatening right you know yeah like absolutely it makes it it makes more sense, and it makes less sense at the same right. time that it even exists in this world, right. like that's just people wanting to show how tough they are, but it's like, right. okay, but like you said, you could like seriously get hurt and
0: maybe never even do it again exactly as a result exactly now what uh, well and that's why um heel hooks um yeah. are are typically. You know, a lot of people say, well, I want heel hooks legal at all levels. I got to know how to defend this. I want this at all level at jujitsu." jitsu Well, heel hooks and those, those type of, in, you know, those leg locks, twisting knee locks, yeah. so to speak. The reason why, you know, most tournaments don't allow those to advanced or pro or black and brown belt divisions is because, you know, how, how long have you been training for? Six months. Six months. Okay. Yeah. But you love it. You're hooked. Yeah. Right? Totally. But if, if somebody heel hooked you on day one. Yeah. And you had to have reconstructive knee surgery. Yeah. It would be—I don't want to say easy. It would be easier for you to say, "Hey, you know what? This sport's just not for me. Totally. I'm going to go back to just, you know, slaying weights in my backyard and, and doing that, yeah. and, and maybe do something else. Than it would for me, who's been, you know, 15 years. Somebody yanks on my knee. I'm—I'm I'm probably training on Monday. Yeah. You know, I—you know, I—I I, I have a strained oblique muscle right now. And I've missed two days of training, and I'm, like, getting antsy. Like, I'm right. getting, like, an itchy trigger finger. I'm like, oh, when do I, when do I get to go back? Right. I, but I can't twist. <laughs> so right. Everybody's like, just let it heal for a, a couple days. I'm like, but it, that's, that's the why behind it. People, you know, don't understand. They're like, well, every belt level should l- learn this and understand this to a degree. Yeah. They should. Okay. But from a competitive standpoint, that's you know, different. It's, it's, no. I, the, the, I, it's the equivalent of um, – owning a firearm yeah okay totally heel hooks twisting foot locks twisting knee locks is the equivalent to owning a firearm in the right hands Mm -hmm. it's a valuable tool it could save your life very valuable tool but you have to be trained properly yeah in an inexperienced hand yeah could be catastrophic right right? so you you teach somebody hey you know what welcome to jiu-jitsu ross you know uh here's your belt here's your white belt here's your gi all right um you know I'm not going to show you how to pass a guard today. Uh, I'm not going to show you how to protect your neck. I'm going to show you how to crank on somebody's leg. <laughs> right. And you're like, okay. And then pretty soon you have this 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 monster. You know, you're a big, strong guy. Yeah. Hey, I know how to tear somebody's knee apart, and I don't even know the fundamentals yet. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So um, that's, you know, for those listening who don't know, that's the why behind it. Yeah, it's it's an sense. athlete safety thing. The, the set athlete safety thing, the two biggest – causes of injury statistically if you look up on the internet uh, in jiu-jitsu schools stand-up and leg locks yeah right so if you have if you're if if you're if you're teaching stand-up techniques and you don't know how to teach them properly or leg lock techniques and you don't understand who should and should not know them yet totally you're just gonna wind up with a bunch of injuries
1: well and that's what's cool about the way that uh and and this is Good for me having, like, zero even wrestling right. experience growing up. Right. So, like, coming in in February, whenever it was, was, like, literally my first time sure. in any kind of grappling or martial art or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so the progress of the way that you guys, te- where we spend a week doing, like, a, a you know, it's, it's in cycles right. and phases right. and stuff, but it's all coming back around to teach. Like, the we, we circle back, and it's like, okay, now you're in uh, – Close guard. Right. We start there. It's like, right. how do you get here? And then right. what's available from here? And then sure. we like build on that every week. And then, you know, if it's three months later or whatever, we come back right. and it's like, now we're doing close guard again. Right. Like it's just always yeah. circling back. And that's, to that. and
0: that's really what um, jujitsu is. It's, it's, it's recognizing patterns. Yeah. Right. Um, somebody who's trained six months, or uh, maybe not six months, but maybe somebody who's trained three years. That's, that's a better aspect. Maybe somebody who's close to a purple belt. Yeah. They probably know the same arm bar setups that I know right they probably know the same choke setups that I know so then it just becomes your, your muscle memory and recognition of patterns yeah right um, then it just becomes you know the, the lessons for me that intrigue me now is like hey if you change your grip from here to here mm. if you move your hand an inch to the right right and then but to somebody brand new it's like the big concept right. it's like okay well here's how you sweep somebody yes right and yeah. then as you progress it, it, so it's almost like you fine tune it as you get better Right. Um, Which is, you know, really most sports, but, but jujitsu is recognizing patterns and recognizing and then understanding, anticipating what that person is doing. Yeah. So um, I hear the same thing from people who have maybe trained at other schools or, um, you know, people who train at our school and maybe go on vacation and drop in somewhere. They're like, holy smokes, you guys train a lot. Yeah, You roll a lot, live roll a lot. You know, and it's like at my old school, we had an hour class and it was, you know, 20 minutes of warm up, uh, 20, 30 minutes of, and then one or two rounds. And then we're off the mats yeah. and I'm like, I don't know how you can get better Yeah. like that. I mean, I know you can get better, but you need to be in the live positions. You need to be rolling. And if you're yeah. training properly, you can roll every day. You can right. roll 65 rounds a week yeah, in totally. your forties. Right. Yeah. Like you can do that. Um, If you're training wrong, no, there's no way your body would be absolutely destroyed. But if you're training properly, you can absolutely do that, and that's how you start to recognize. Because not only do you recognize patterns, then you start to anticipate. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in a top position, but I know what this per. I I have like four or five things that I know he could do. Right. Now I know the reactions to those. So. Yeah. Um,
1: just adding a layer on. Yeah, it's just it's that's really
0: all it is. And then, you know my the, the whole cycles that you were talking about with the lessons that i teach you know they'll go in you know six eight week waves and then we'll be back to square one the lesson i teach eight weeks ago will probably be very similar but there yeah. might be some modifications based on what i just wit- 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 and witnessed at a tournament and experienced totally because like hey that that grip worked for three years yeah and now it's getting totally shut down yeah what do i got to do now what's the next level And that's, and that's where your game evolves, but you're only, you can only do that if you're willing to put yourself out there. And I mean, put yourself out there with your students, Mm -hmm. put yourself out there in tournaments. um, Because, you know, and I mean, when I say put yourself, you got to put yourself in precarious positions, right? Right. You can't only work from your great positions. Right. Um, And that's usually when, when I'm, when I'm training with somebody who's less experienced, um, then, then, I might be, um, I'll, I'll start out in a bad spot or I'll let them get into a really, really good spot. Yeah. And I've paid the price for it several times. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I've tapped the mat several times and you know, my response is not, you know, swearing and getting mad. My response, Hey, good job, man. Like yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You right. took advantage of me being in a bad spot. That's, that's how you build students up and that's how you get them confident in what they're doing. Like, Hey, totally. I was, I was just, just the other day. Um, I started off a match with with a guy who's probably been training about eight, nine months. And, you know, he's getting better. He shows up four days a week, getting super good. Mm -hmm. And he was on my back within 30 seconds. And I don't want to say I let it happen, um, but I definitely wasn't as awake as I should have been to start (laughs) the match. And before I know it, I'm fighting for my life. (laughs) Right. And... You know, I could have been disappointed. I could have let my ego get in the way and muscled my way out of it. Yeah. But instead, I'm like, all right, well, I'm here now. I'm going to work my techniques. I'm going to let him work his techniques. Yeah. We're going to see how this pans out. <laughs> I think that's
1: been I think that's been one of the things that I've noticed the most in in my almost seven months, I guess now. But um, like, and and it's like what what Jocko says when people are discouraged from right. starting. It's like, well, start because in three weeks, there's going to be somebody brand new that comes in and you've got three weeks more experience than that person. So like you can begin to see things that they're doing even in that amount of time and begin to like conceptualize some of this stuff. But I've come to, you know, I can recognize certain things now coming in and it's like okay i know that that dude probably wrestled. Oh, and yeah. like you know what i mean like they come in and they're just like like breathing through their mouth just like oh. yeah and they're yeah. just like swinging arms and like bull rushing right. and that kind of thing. Um but the learning the i think that's probably the first like big switch i i felt in myself was like making that realization of how to be patient yeah and like sit back and i like i don't need to be just like tense and flexed and like trying to muscle and like bench press somebody off of me all the time and like just sit there for a sec like let them do what what they're gonna do for a second like it'll suck for a few minutes but like you'll see something at some point and then that's when you go and you capitalize on it and it's funny because you said that you were like you'd start in certain positions i'd like yesterday yeah it was yesterday morning i rolled with mel a couple right. of rounds, and I know she did that to me. Right. Like she purposefully right. let me get into a couple of spots, and I ended up getting some really good, right, really good spots on her. And I made her, I tapped her once, sure, and and she even said to me at the thing, she's like, "Man, I forgot that you're just like bigger than me." Right. Like, and she's right. like, "I'm like at the point now where she like has to think about that right. kind of stuff because, like yeah. you said, even if you let somebody get into a certain position,
0: doesn't yeah. mean you can get out of it all the time, right? You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the. You, 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 so you being, like, you gave a perfect analogy, right? Three, three, if you're training for three weeks, you're three weeks ahead of the guy, that, guy or girl that's training day mm-hmm. one. Yeah. And they're 100% more knowledgeable than the person over at Sonic. Yeah. <laughs> saying, here's the thing, that dri- one of the things that drives me the most nuts about people for the reasons not doing jiu-jitsu. One thing, I want to get in better shape first. Yeah. Okay? And I want to tell them, I'm like, use jujitsu to get in shape. Yeah. Like, I mean, in the short period of time 208's been open, I won't even count the, time, the amount that I witnessed my own eyes training at, at uh, the Jiu-Jitsu headquarters in Bakersfield because I witnessed, you know, 100 things. But in the two, uh, the, you know, people who come three days a week. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've known people that have lost 40, 50 pounds in totally. 10 months just from Jiu-Jitsu. And it's, they're not competing, Yeah. right? They're just dealing with that initial discomfort, like, oh, this sucks. You know, I'm out of shape. I'm breathing hard, mm-hmm. you know. But they're mentally they're mentally there and eventually the physical part will catch up yeah totally and and that's one of the most frustrating things it's like i want to get in better shape cuz it's like or even more so somebody goes in and just gets destroyed in a tournament yeah and the first thing they say is like oh man I got I to get into a lower weight class, and, and so I'm just going to start running on a treadmill. First of all, no, you're not. You're not going to start running on a treadmill. No, Nobody likes running on a treadmill. Right. Nobody. Even people who run on treadmills don't like <laughs> don't running on like a treadmill. Don't like Right? So that, that shouldn't be the attitude is I need to get in better shape into a lower weight class because you start dropping down in weight classes, they, may, they might not have as much bulk on them. Right. But they're still going to be fast as heck. Right. And strong. Right. Um, so, you know, the attitude should be, hey, you know what? I got mopped up. I didn't play my game today it's going to go get better. Yeah. Right. I've been on every aspect of the tournament and that exists. I've gold medals at big tournaments to yeah. getting, you know, down by 20 points and submitted, you know, by people I'd never even heard of. Right. right. Totally. It's, it's, it, it happens. Yeah. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that aspect is, is just so frustrating. I'm just like the, the biggest belt promotion you get, I don't know if you've heard me say this, but some other people, the biggest belt promotion is not white to blue, blue to purple, purple to brown, brown to black. The biggest belt promotion you get is the the belt that you wear to hold your jeans or shorts up to white belt. That is the biggest belt promotion. Totally. is starting. Yeah. Okay. is, is walking into the gym because guess what? Whether you're in shape, whether you're a D1 wrestler, whether you're out of shape, whether you're old, young, skinny, fat, whatever it is, if you've never done it, you're not going to be good to start. Totally. <laughs> so, <laughs> got to start you're, at you're, some point. You're, right? you're gonna you're gonna feel awkward and clunky yeah. and I, and, I, and I'm saying this to the even the best of the best athletes. Yeah. Like I've I've competed against I've rolled with guys who are D1 wrestlers. I've rolled with guys that are Olympic wrestlers. Yeah. And man, it's a pain. Yeah. Right? But they're and they might be physically gifted, and they might put you in bad spots, but their jujitsu, if they're brand new, right. still not great. Totally. Right? And then you give them three weeks, and it's better. And then the next guy walks. And then you give them um, two, three years, and then you have a massive problem on your... Then, then you have right. somebody who's like, oh, man, right. I'm glad they're on my team. Right? <laughs> totally.
1: <laughs> I'm glad they're on our side. Totally. The uh, One of the things I wanted to ask was, we do at at 208, I mean, there's no, like, no-gi class. Sure. But... Sometimes, like if there's open mat, like mm-hmm. people will come in and do some nogi mm-hmm. rolls and stuff like that. So, why? Sure. Basically, like because some I know some places are like nogi sure. schools. Yeah. So, like, where do you like? How did that develop for you?
0: So, um, credit obviously to to Professor Matt, Professor Jill, because mm-hmm. um, a lot a lot of this thinking came from them. So there's there's a couple of reasons. So one reason is this: chess and checkers, right? You take the best chess player in the entire world, right? I don't know who it is. Right. Somebody could probably, I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> right. The only person I ever know that played professional chess is Bobby Fischer does because they made a movie <laughs> after that. <But, laughs> you take the best chess player in the entire world and stick him in front of a checkerboard, right? Mm-hmm. You now probably have one of, if not the best, checker player in the world. <laughs> right. One of the, the not best it does not work the other way around right you take the best chess player or excuse me checkers checkers moves faster there's less to do mm-hmm. right and stick them in front of a chessboard they're lost right okay so that's reason 1 reason number 2 is this i tell cuz i get this question all the time hey do you yeah. guys offer any nogi classes and my answer is always the same i'm going to teach the instruction of the class in a gi 100% of the time yeah Okay, but once we start our rounds, if you want to roll no gi, I have zero problem. I love no gi jiu jitsu. Yeah. I've, I've done very well for myself in no gi jiu jitsu, training 100% of the time in the gi. Yeah. The reason why I do that is because the person that I want to become a black belt, right? The people that are going to make it all the way to the top, Yeah, right? The gi requires mental toughness. Yeah. Right? Because the gi is the great equalizer. Mm. You know, you you get people who are physically gifted. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take m- much to pass the eye test. You can tell when somebody's built. Totally. They walk into the gym, they got Under Armour that they can, you know, they look like freaking Captain America. <laughs> right. Right? But you put them in a gi, and it's an equalizer. It's frustrating for them. Yeah. And a lot of people will take a step back, and they're like, oh, I really want to do no gi. To me, that's saying, hey, I really want to do, I want, I want to use my athleticism. Mm. Okay? Okay. And I don't, I, don't, I don't want to say I don't want that. I mean, I want athletes in the gym. We have guys. I'll get on that in a second. So I want the person who's willing to learn yeah. in the gi because they're going to have to learn a sport where they're not always the most dominant person. Totally. Where they're not, their physical capabilities will not always help them out. Yeah. Now you put somebody who's a physical athlete in a gi who's willing to learn, now you got world champions. Now right. you got elite competitors. So I'll say this. We have a... Uh, a handful of guys that have wrestled d1 that have came into our school and they have consistently trained because they want to learn they realize man i i need to learn this as well right um so it's it's more about the ment- the mental side of that you know the people that are going to stick around for eight nine years are uh you know They'll, they'll be good at, at no-gi also. Totally. I promise. They'll, yeah. they'll be, it's funny. You strip off, your, strip off your gi. You do it right now. Training for six. You'd be fine. Yeah. Right? Um, and then you get the – uh, then, then the references come in. Well, what about Gordon Ryan? Okay. Gordon Ryan is a Henzo Gracie black belt. Yeah. In jiu-jitsu with yeah. the gi on. I've seen pictures of him with the gi. I've seen him do gi turn. He's a Henzo Gracie black belt. Okay. He might have a preference for no-gi. Right. He might be the best no-gi grappler at this point ever. Yeah. Uh, that you can make the case very easily. But he's still a black belt in a gi. Right. Well, what about Eddie Bravo? Eddie Bravo's a John Jack Machado black belt. Yeah. In a gi. Yep. You know? So it's it's one of those things where I, I don't want to alienate that. Yeah. I don't want people to say, and, and I make it very clear. Hey, look, I'm going to teach the lesson in a gi. Once the rounds start, if you yeah. want to roll no gi, do, what by, you want. do it by <laughs> yeah. all means, by all means. And I'll leave, I'll roll with you yeah. and I'll still leave my gi on. Everyone's like, why do you still leave your gi on? I like to sweat. Yeah. You know why I like to sweat? Cause I eat ice cream at night <laughs> <laughs> and the gi, makes, the, gi make, the gi makes me sweatier. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I will roll. It's a working sauna. Right, right. I'll roll. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, a, you know, it's like a burlap sack wrapped over you. <laughs> right. So I'll roll no gi and I'll leave my gi on and there's absolutely no judgment um, and, and, this is not me knocking no-gi gyms, totally. right? I want them to succeed too. Yeah. Right. I, you know, um, that's just my philosophy on yeah. it. Yeah. And it's not like a take it or leave it. Like I'm not trying to be difficult about it. That's just how I teach yeah. it. And here's the thing. I've gone into no-gi worlds. I've gone into, uh, you know, pro divisions, no-gi and done mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. It's never, in fact... When I'm training for a no-gi, quote-unquote, a no-gi tournament, what I will do is I will not specifically tra- tell my training partners I'm training no-gi. Mm. Um, I'll wear my gi. Mm. I'll let them pull, tug on whatever, choke me with the collars, whatever. I just won't use any of the grips. Mm. And then when you take off your gi and actually go into the tournament, yeah. it's, it's like someone, you know, uh, it's like Will Ferrell in, in old school, man. You took the restrictor plate <laughs> off the Red Dragon, man. Like Like we are... We're like <laughs> greased lightning. We're we're ready to, you know, you feel fast. You're Good like lightning McQueen. I am speed. Yes. Right? Like you're ready to go. So um and you know, I, I know you pretty much train exclusively in the morning class, but the night class, we have guys all the time. Yeah. After the lesson's over, you know, they uh they take their geese off and roll totally. Nogi handful of rounds. Uh even sometimes on Saturdays, if I know it's gonna be a big open mat, I'll bring Nogi stuff and I'll roll. You know, I'll roll the first 20 rounds with the gi on. Yeah. And maybe I'll strip strip down to a no-gi for three, four rounds. Yeah, totally. But it, it's it's not me knocking the sport. You know, no-gi, grappling, no-gi, jiu-jitsu, however you want to label it, submission grappling is great.
1: Yeah. Um, I think I even noticed that, too, uh, because it was at the end of May when I went down to South Carolina for Soarnex's Summer Strong event. right. And uh, we, like, did this. I've, I've talked about it on here a few times, but I don't know if I've told yeah. you. But we did, like, this covert kind of, like, roll session right. during one of the speakers. Like, right. me and a handful of friends, like, went and got these foam pads. Sure. Like, we put them out on the grass. It was, like, 100 degrees. But nobody brought geese, obviously. Right. So, but we all had, you know, like, we brought rash guards and shorts. And so we just did, like, a little no geese sure. Three-minute rounds, like, switching back and forth. But that was my first ever like no-gi yeah. experience because I had only been going for like three months at that right. point. But like even just then, like I had concepts sure. in my head that I understood mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it was just a matter of like, okay, well, I can't like I can't grab anything right. around. There's no lapel here right. or collar here, but I got to go. I, I watched them do like hand on the back yeah. of the neck. Like that looks like it's pretty close. I'll just right. figure that out. But I understood like how to move through right. it. So it's like the same thing. Like you, you learn those principles right. and then you can adapt it to right. other things. And so mm-hmm. I actually didn't feel as like right. fish out of water as maybe I could have, right. You know,
0: coming from understanding that at the beginning. Right. You know? And that's, and, and I think everybody should know both. Yeah. Um, because like you said, you, you, you know the concept, but it's like, Oh, the collar's not there. Well, let's grab the back of the head. Right. Oh, the, the sleeve grip isn't there. I'll well, just grab the wrist. Right. Right. To, uh, to somebody who's look, approaching jujitsu from an educational stance, right. From, from the, the Yoda, not the Hulk. They can apply that very, very quickly. Right. Um, Here's 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 a, a fun thing that you can do. Go to go to a go to a jujitsu tournament where they do both gi and no gi on the same day in the same tournament, mm. and just look at the physique difference from the people that are only doing no gi, mm. only doing no gi. Okay, okay, and look at the physique difference. It's going to be one of two. Like the gi will be all different types of body types, fat, right. skinny, whatever. But 99% of the people that are exclusively no-gi will be one of two body types. They will be absolute bricks. Yeah. I mean, just just specimens of physical health. (laughs) Right. Or they'll be really long and lanky. And usually those guys will do the gi too, but they'll be really, really long and lanky and flexible. Yeah. Right? And those people tend to be like, I only want to do no-gi because they want to be able to use either that flexibility or that physical strength. Right? And they'll totally. detest the gi. They'll detest it. And it's like, why? <laughs> right. right? Here I am saying, like, hey. I mean, we have people coming at our open mat all the time. I don't have a gi on. Okay. It's fine. It's open yeah. mat. It's open. Somebody else won't either. <laughs> right. So Yeah. Our doors are open. Yeah. It's open mat. My right. door is open to you. Come and train. Right. Right? So, um, and that, that's another weird philosophy. I, I think if you really want to be a, quote, unquote, a black belt in jiu-jitsu, yeah. you should know both. Yeah, Like if you, you – at least understand. I'm not saying it's to be you know, exceptional. You can have preferences. Yeah. Right? But it's just – it's no different than if somebody wears a black belt in the race and they say, well, I don't know how to guard pass. Right. Why are you black belt? Right. Like, cause people, cause guess what? People are going to come to your, you for advice, whether you're the head professor or not. They see you as a pillar in the gym. Hey, you're wearing a black belt. I want advice. How do I do this guard pass? Ah, I don't know. Totally. You know, like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I've heard that from, from, from people before. And they're just like, yeah, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm a black belt, but you know, my, uh, my guard sucks. And you're just like, hmm. Right. Interesting, <laughs> and that,
1: that brings up a uh, one of the, like one of the. And this is probably one of the last things last because we're already at an hour. But, oh, okay. Um, one of the things that, and, and this comes from again me not having any like right. martial art knowledge sure. prior to coming to two hundred eight. From what I understand, the and it's I understand it's not just about like belt promotions, sure. right? But understanding how that happens right. can be pretty specific to like you as a professor, right. right? Like you kind of get to decide. Right. There's not like this template exactly. necessarily where it's like they did this, now they get to go to blue. And then they right. did this thing, now they get to go to purple. So like
0: how, does that, how sure. do you go through that? So, I, I, and I've had to explain this to, uh, to, to students maybe who have trained other places or they're trying to compartmentalize or conceptualize how does the belt promotion system in jiu-jitsu work. Well, right. it's, it's so tragically flawed, it's perfect. because there's no set sequence that can make you the next belt. Sure. So this is what I mean by that, right? You look at other martial art forms. Hey, you do X, Y, and Z. Here's your stripe. You do X, Y, and Z. Here's your next stripe. You do X, Y, and Z. Here's your belt. Um, Jiu-jitsu, because you have that subjectivity to the professor, let's say you've had a gym, a jiu-jitsu gym that's been open 15 years. We've only been open two years. But no, 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 I'll use our gym for an example. We'll use our gym for an example. Our gym's been open two years. What may have earned you a blue belt one year ago Mm -hmm. because the game has evolved, Mm. because people are getting better, may not earn you a blue belt nowadays because the the, the standard of excellence, Mm. the standard of how good people are is increasing, right? So, and whether it's right, wrong, or indifferent, it's just the cold, hard facts, right? right? Because here's what I would be doing unfair. If I promote somebody too fast to blue belt and then they roll – with somebody who's close to their size and close to their age and shows up the same amount of time and then they get just destroyed, they might leave, right? Right. So we have to continue. And this is, this is you know, professors should have continued to raise the bar and a, not, a, not an unrealistic bar, but continue to raise the right. bar at each belt level for their students. That's how their students progressed. Mm-hmm. But the, the next biggest point, and this is how a lot of people look at jiu-jitsu. They look at it like this. I can do these moves, I'm a blue belt, right. okay? Here's how I look at it. It's not show me all the reasons why you should be a blue belt or show me all the reasons why you should be a purple belt. It's show me all the reasons why you're not a white belt anymore, mm. you know? And that's where everybody's like, okay, I've never thought about that because mm-hmm. a white belt could submit a blue belt and, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been submitted by blue belts, white belt, whatever, you know? Um, and it's not like, okay, let's say I roll with a purple belt in class and they submit me. It's not like, hey, let's switch belts now, right? right? You did this, you submitted a black belt, right? They still might be making purple belt mistakes. They still might be, it could be making, a blue belt might still be making blue belt mistakes or right. you know, they might be in that phase where they're not ready. It'll, it is almost apparently obvious and it almost happens like organically at 208 and I'm sure other gyms are like this, but I'm speaking for myself. I won't speak on behalf of anybody else's gym, but I know at our gym, it almost happens like organically where it's like, you roll with somebody, roll with somebody, roll with somebody all the time, and then one day you're rolling with them, and you're like, oh man, that person's starting to get really good. Mm-hmm. And then me and Melissa start having the conversation. It's like, man, hey, have you rolled with Ross? Oh man, like they're starting to do some things. Mm-hmm. And then other students are just like, oh my God, so and so's pressure is just outrageous, mm-hmm. or holy smoke. So and then and then pretty soon you're just like, okay, it's almost like a consensus, right? They're like, all right, this person is no longer so. I you know. I'll watch people roll, and I'll kind of have a time frame. Like, oh, that's you know, you know, they'll, they'll probably be there. They'll probably be where they need to be in three four months. And then sometimes that time frame just goes up. Sure. And you're just like, um, I won't name anybody's name to, to make them feel weird or awkward. Um, but we just had a, a a belt promotion not too long ago, um, and it really stemmed from I knew this individual was good. I knew they were very, very good. Um, and I rolled with them one time, and I'm like, dude. This person is not where they're at anymore. Yeah. Like, and in my head, you know, I had that projection just based on kind of t- how long they've been at this belt. And, yeah. And I'm like, I can't, th- there's nothing justifiably keeping them there. Right. So I'm not going to. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, it is tricky, you know, and, and, you know, people uh, will, will listen in and they'll be like, well, you know, I want to know a set sequence of movements. But if I say, hey, do a scissor sweep and armbar uh, you know, two attacks on the mount, two escapes, and this, and that. And here's your blue belt. Right. I could go study that and learn that in a day. Right. Or you know, somebody smart could learn it in two weeks. Totally. So that's You can't, that's can't the,
1: apply it in most situations right. consistently right. and make right. it
0: exactly. Worth it. So that's that's the thing with the whole jujitsu belt that it is so imperfect because mm-hmm. there's so many different ways to look at it. It's perfect. It's so bad, it's good. Yeah. Because. Well, and it comes back
1: because it's so subjective. It goes directly back to how you actually teach it. Right. Like, I mean, you teach things differently than the other places here in town, even. Right. And so our people might pick up something differently, quicker or slower than somebody else. And so it's, I mean, it's, you got to base it off of how you
0: teach and their growth through there. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And then, and then, so this is what I'll say to. Um, anybody listening who might train at another school and maybe they're moving or if they leave schools or anything, um, we've had upper belts or we've had, we've had colored belts. I don't want to say upper belts, colored belts come into our school and they're like, Hey, I just got promoted to this belt. Do you want me to start at the previous one? And I'm like, absolutely not. Like, yeah. you know, that's a, that's me slapping your old instructor in the face, which I would right. never do. Right. Like you invested your time, money. I'm going to, I'm going to trust that what they did was right. Um, and I would, I would never do that. I would never, even if I didn't feel that student was there, I would, one, I would never vocalize it. Right. But two, I would never, I mean, if you trained at a, at a reputable school with like a reputable affiliation and, you know, and, you know, even, even if it wasn't reputable, if, if, if you, if you, if you put your faith and invested time into that person and they promoted you, yeah, then that's where you are. Yeah. Right. It's, it's not my job to say no. Right. I mean, it might you might be longer at the current belt that you're at to get yeah. you up to snuff. Totally, but now you're part of
1: a different system. Right,
0: right, but it's not yeah. it, that's not my job to. That that would be, a, that would be, a, in my opinion, slap in the face to the sport. At, you know. Yeah. Itself. Totally. Cool, man.
1: Well, that was fun. Yeah. I Appreciate you. No problem. Especially with all the random schedule stuff and it's you okay. having to come out to the house yeah. now instead of at the gym. <laughs> I appreciate right. it. Um, you're local, so a lot of people that listen aren't local, but okay. still. Give the – if you want to do the the pitch for the school and the sure. accounts and all that kind of stuff, do that.
0: Yeah, so um, if you want to follow um, our Instagram, it's uh, – I think it's 208 Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Is it JJ Academy or 208 jiu Academy? Let me double check. That's a good question. I apologize. <laughs> I, I'm on it all the time, but I don't ever actually look at <laughs> – what's it under, Russ? I believe it is 208 Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, so it's – yes, 208 Jiu-Jitsu is the uh, – is the Instagram page, go ahead and follow that. I, I try to keep the page entertaining, um, yeah. not with just with all generic stuff. I try to keep the uh, the page entertaining. So, if you want to follow that, um, uh, Melissa Campanella, my wife, um, you can follow her page, my mm-hmm. page, uh, as well. Sam Campanella, you can find us, um, any of the true jitsu pages, true jitsu revolution, um, follow them, um, Facebook, you know, just just check it out. Quick Google search will bring you. Um, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we uh, la- last thing we we it took a long time to figure out the name, and then we just decided to oversimplify it. I'm like, yeah, two it's <laughs> it's so much easier. So much easier. <laughs> right. So, yeah, give us a follow. Um, like I said, you know, if you if you uh, have different opinions than what we talked about today, I understand. Right. There's yeah. there's there. I I'll sit at any table and discuss any different philosophy. Totally. Um, and I'm not saying mine's the only way to do it. So yeah. You know. Uh, but whatever you do, wherever you live, here, here's the bigger pitch. Um, find find a local school that you feel comfortable and start training because everybody needs self defense. Yep. Everybody, and I know it's. Well, I have a gun. I have this. Like everybody needs to know how to defend themselves, especially the most at risk. You know. Yeah. Uh, you know, women, young kids who are bullied, or you know that you guys you guys need it. Um, you know. Uh, you know, women find a school with a woman instructor. Yeah. Um, there's there's lot there's lots of females training now, and it can be very very inspiring to do that. But it's it's something that that I feel passionate about. Uh, you know, especially for kids too. Um, you know, I've I have a son. He's you know he's skinny and he's been picked on a bunch. But he knows how to defend himself if he yep. has to. He doesn't go and pick fights. I guarantee that. But if he he knows how to protect himself if he has to. So. Right. Um, and also, you know, it's it's a great way to to lose weight. If the gym environment's right, you're gonna shed some pounds. Yeah. You'll probably make some friends. Totally. Um, you know, and and and, and try to have fun with it. Awesome.
1: Well thanks again, man. No I problem. Appreciate you.
0: Yeah, thank you.